Welcome to our weekly Catechism class. This lesson is a weekly look at the Heidelberg Catechism to help us to learn Christian doctrine with a warm and a practical application. Every lesson has an accompanying study guide. The web link to find that guide is in the episode notes. Now, let's start the class and learn the lessons. Welcome to our Catechism class. In this lesson, we shall look at Lord's Day 2, question 3 to 5, where our instructor begins to develop his theme for the first section of the Catechism, the theme of misery and wretchedness due to my sinful nature. But before we begin that, let's read from Matthew chapter 22, verse 34 to 40, a passage quoted by the Catechist. But when the Pharisees had heard that Jesus had put the Sadducees to silence, they were gathered together. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbour as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. In Lord's Day 2 and Question 3 we are asked, From where do you know your sins and misery? And the answer that we must give is, From the law of God. So where do I learn that I am a poor wretched sinner? In God's law. So it's appropriate today that we should look at a question that was posed by a lawyer. The question is, which is the great commandment in the law? The context of this passage is found in a series of questions that the Pharisees had put to Jesus, to try to deceive him into making an error over which they could then condemn him. The questions were, should we pay taxes to the state, asked by the Pharisees and the Herodians in an unholy alliance? The next question was about the nature of the resurrection, asked by the Sadducees, the theological liberals of that day, the materialists who did not believe in the resurrection. And now, what is the greatest of all the commandments, asked by a scribe, or, as we might say today, a lawyer? The first two were easily disposed of. They were, after all, a little trivial, perhaps even ridiculous. This last one is more serious, it's being asked by a lawyer, and it even sounds sincere, only that we are told that the lawyer was testing him. We might actually think this lawyer really wanted to know the answer. Let's see what the question was. 
Let's remember that this lawyer would have been deeply immersed in the minutiae of the Jewish Talmudic law, the rabbinical traditions. He would have sought to apply these traditions to his own life so that he could try to keep the law, the biblical law. Just a little later in history after this, the Pharisees categorized 613 commandments, which they called the Mishnah. 248 positive commandments telling the Jew what he must do to keep the law. 375 negative commandments telling him what not to do in case he breaks the law. And each one designed to stop you from breaking the Ten Commandments of the Bible. Now that's called Pharisaism and it's false religion. And here's why. Romans chapter 3 and verse 20. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. Romans 7 and verse 7. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. Nay, I had not known sin, but by the law. For I had not known lust, except the law had said, Thou shalt not covet. But this question was not to help the lawyer's deeper understanding. It was to test Jesus. So let's see his answer. For Jesus' answer helps us to understand the law. He gives a precise summary of the whole law in two simple statements, each statement corresponding to the two tables of the law. He talks about our duty to God and our duty to others. Our duty to God, as in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 5, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. We are to love God. We are to love him with an undivided heart. That means nothing is to come before our emotional desire to love and to please God. We are to love him with an undivided soul. Our whole inner being should be focused towards God. How does my personality reflect Christ? I've got to say generally it doesn't. So we're to love him with an undivided mind. Our thoughts are only to be God-exalting. Hmm. Now there's a problem, isn't it? And many of us can say that our thoughts are only ever God-exalting. Are we loving him with an undivided heart, an undivided soul, and an undivided mind? It's really difficult to keep the mind under control, no matter who you are. So we have a duty to God. And we also have a duty to others. In Leviticus chapter 19 and verse 18 we read this. Thou shalt not avenge nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people, but thou shalt love thy neighbour as thyself. I am the Lord. So we're to love them, no matter who they are. We're to regard them as neighbours, even when they are our sworn enemies. We're to serve them, even if they are totally ungrateful. So there's the law's demands. We are to love God with undivided hearts. We're to love our neighbours with the same intensity and to the same extent as we love ourselves. Now, how many people do you know who can perfectly do either of those? 
In fact, how many Christians do you know who can perfectly do either of those? In question four, the Catechist puts it like this. What does God's law require of us? Christ teaches us this in a summary in Matthew 22. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbour as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So was the lawyer right then? Would we be able to love God and our neighbour perfectly and so please God? Certainly not. In question 5, our catechist asks, can we keep all this perfectly? And our answer is no. I am inclined by nature to hate God and my neighbour. Romans chapter 3 and verse 10, Paul says, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth, there is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are altogether become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. In fact, in his natural state, man hates God, hates his law, hates other men. And if we are totally honest, he even hates himself. Even the most religious of men are consumed by hate. Think of these testers of Jesus, confronted by Christ, who is the love of God incarnate, and who hate him with a vile, destructive hatred. Can I keep the law perfectly? Question 5 answers that very question. I am inclined by nature to hate God. We are imperfect, and there is nothing we can do to achieve perfection. We fall short, and that's why we need a saviour. Who then can keep the law? Actually, just one. And that's our saviour, the Lord Jesus, who fulfilled all of God's law for us. In Matthew chapter 5 and verse 17 to 18, Jesus said, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law, till all be fulfilled. When Mark talks about that meeting with the lawyer and the saviour, we find that the lawyer agreed with what Jesus had said. Mark chapter 12 and verse 32 down to verse 34. And the scribe said unto him, Well, master, thou hast said the truth. For there is one God, and there is none other but he. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the soul and with all the strength and to love his neighbour as himself is more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered discreetly or correctly, he said unto him, Thou art not far from the kingdom of God. How could Jesus tell a testing, legalistic sinner that he was not far from the kingdom? Well, it's simple. That man knew that Jesus was right. 
He knew in his own heart that he was unable to keep the law perfectly, and that is, we have learned, the very first stage in the sinner's redemption. To know that we are sinners, to mourn over that sin, to be convicted by that sin, is to then be able to repent from it, to turn from it, and to flee away to Christ for forgiveness and mercy and salvation. And that is the work of the Holy Spirit in the heart of one whom the Lord is calling to himself. Today, if we know that we are sinners, and if we know that that sin is separating us from God for time and eternity, if we are mourning over that sin and we're prepared to repent of it, then like the lawyer, we are not far from the kingdom of God. Trust the Saviour. Trust him with all your heart. Repent of all your sin. Flee to Christ for forgiveness and for mercy. 